Welcome to Accelerating Your Dental Practice, a podcast with free expert advice to accelerate your practice's efficiency, growth, and profit. Here's your hosts, dental management consultants and friends, Malika and Michelle. Welcome back to another episode of Accelerate Your Dental Practice. Malika and I are so excited to share today's topic with you. It's something I think the two of us talk about every single day with our clients, but we want to make sure that our listeners know what's important when it comes to uh, KPIs, key performance indicators, and, and your practice metrics. Yes, so, I think those are kind of like your, when you're like, I don't know, in the gym trying to figure out your heartbeat and know like your stride or your pace when you're running. These are the things you need for your practice when it comes to knowing how it's doing, how like, you know, the health of your practice depends on those KPIs. Exactly. And when it comes to numbers, they tell a big part of the story of what's going on with your practice. But keep in mind that every practice is unique. So unless you're comparing apples to apples, try not to compare your practice to somebody else's practice because they may be in a different demographic location. They are accepting different uh, insurance participation. They have a different number of providers in their office. Like there's a lot of factors that go into it. So when we look at these KPIs, there's benchmarks that we should be looking at. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, you know, some offices will have, you know, their top six KPIs that they look at. Some will have eight dependent, you know, I'm sure Michelle will agree with this and depends on the the specialty of your practice too. Um, You know, some, you know, when you're a specialist, one of your KPIs is those new patients and the source of that new patient, because that's really, really important. Whereas if you're GP, it's, you know, it could be your new patient numbers are still important, but the way they're observed or the way you benchmark them will be a bit different than the specialty practices. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive in. What is your favorite KPI, Malika? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I actually, I really think it's the new patients. I really enjoyed that because I think it really tells a great story about the practice. And one of the things when I assess the practice, you know, obviously production, collection, all this stuff is great, important. But I feel that, again, depending on the the, the type of practice, um, multi-specialty, general, then new patients are important to me. And also where it's coming from, the source. And what I call is the back door open or not, meaning that did they make their next appointment? Because it's not just about you know, the ret- is not about what they came in that day or that month. It's the retention of that, which means that how they've scheduled their next appointment or not. And what was the value of that new patient that came in? Right. So when I look at that, like I, I'm a stickler. All of my offices will tell you, like they hate hearing it from me time and time <laughs> again. But like every new patient better have a referral source in there. They better. Like, so if you have 50 new patients, there better be 50 referral sources in there. I agree. That's, that's what's funny. Cause like I'm bigger than I do like a new patient intake form. My, you know, my office is kind of roll at me. I'm like, I know this is extra work, but I really think the new patient intake form is important because that source information comes on that call and you're able to um, make that connection, as you said, and come back and say, okay, we had 50 new patients. What was the star referral of the month? I always say, guys, what is the star referral of the month? Cause they should have one. If it's Google, great. If it's, you know, Dr. Smith down the street, what are we doing to thank Dr. Smith? Because we don't want to lose the momentum when someone is raving about us and, you know, taking good care of of us as a practice. Right, right. And when you put that in, 
it helps you to look at, especially the, the, the marketing dollars you're spending, uh -huh. right? So there's every software or almost every software has a report that you can run that shows you the production that has come in from that specific referral source. So if you're spending marketing dollars on something, you want to make sure that it, you're getting your, your return on your investment, that ROI. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now I'm curious to know what yours is. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And, and I look, I, a lot of my practices also use an analytics platform, whether it be dental Intel or practice yes. by numbers or, or one of those. Right? right. And what I love to look at is it does, it tells you how many new patients you have. It tells you um, how many patients were reactivated, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times if a patient hasn't been in your office in the last 18 months, they could be considered inactive. Like maybe you haven't inactivated them in your software, but the analytics platform is considering them inactive. So I'd love to see how many of those you can recapture right. that have been just hanging there. Then I look at the, the number of patients that were lost. Like they, are they told you that they were leaving the practice because they change insurance, they're moving out of state, you know, it's a pediatric practice and they turned 18. So they're going to a general dentist, like whatever that reason is, we need to see that back door that Malika right. was talking about. Right. And then I look at like, what was your actual growth? Because I have some offices that are like, we brought in 60 new patients this month. Fantastic. But you lost so many. So you actually, your net growth was negative 20. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you have to keep an eye on that. That's actually really a good point because a lot of times, like I say, like, I'm like, it's like a math. You had 20 new patients, you lost 11, you gained two from recapture. What, and they're like, what? That's, that's messed up. I'm like, well, that's how it really works. You know, it's like, don't get too excited about all the new patients. Because I have an office, like they were doing like 128 new patients a month, which is phenomenal with no marketing, but they were losing like 70. And I'm like, guys, like you got to figure out what's happening. It's great to have, a, but are they, are they valuable new patients for your practice? Are they just coming in, getting an exam or a cleaning or an emergency and then not making an appointment? Then they're they're not good. They're just taking chair time. Right. They're not, the ROI in there is not there. So it's like really being able to step back and assess that data. As you said, really what it really tells a story. And that story is really important. So for that metric, it's kind of like uh, a couple things built in one for new patients. So new patients, the number of new patients and the number of new patients is different for every practice. It depends on where you are in your practice life. Like if it's a startup and you're just starting out, you want 75 to new 100, maybe more new patients a month. If you are an established practice that has a great retention program, like, you know, your, your patients, you have very few patients without appointments in there, you could probably get away with 30 to 40 new patients a month. But if you want to be in growth mode, you need like 50 new patients a month or more in order to be continuing to grow. And then like Malika said, is the value of the patient, looking at that referral analysis report, finding out like these patients that are coming in, what are they worth? Yeah, absolutely. So what is your, your favorite KPI? Tell me oh, <laughs> it's a, it's one that, you know, I look at, I analyze it a lot and it drives offices crazy as case acceptance. It's mm, an important one. Yes. You know, you have to, these patients that are coming in, a lot of doctors I, I see this time and time again and no fault of their own, but a lot of doctors are like, this is the treatment you need to have done, but they really don't stress the value, the benefits and the sense of urgency of it. So they kind of leave it as like, whenever you're ready, whenever uh -huh. you're ready to do it, uh -huh. instead of giving a buy when date, if you're concerned about something, you know, right now 
I, I'm telling all of my offices, we're towards the end of the year. Like, you know what? I'm concerned about this. I want to see you get this done before Christmas. I want to see you get this done before the new year. That way it's helping you in your schedule. But, you know, you're not letting these patients go too long. The patients, when you give them the option, like whenever you're ready, well, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to rush to schedule that. And next thing you know, by the time they get in, right, they don't just need that three surface filling, right? It may be turning into a root canal or a crown where we could have saved them some money and some chair time. Right. It's very true. And I think what I say, see a lot is that, you know, I'll get the concern that, you know, my office might need more patients because we're not, don't have enough treatment. And, you know, I'm sure you see this a lot is I run the unscheduled treatment report and there's I, what I say, is there's a lot, so much meat on the bone. They're just not, you know, making the right connections. And I always say it starts in the clinic, it starts with the, the doctor in the chair side, because, you know, the front desk can, you know, score the goal and schedule the appointment. But if the doctor's not making the proper connection, explain the treatment to the patient, that that, that case acceptance doesn't go anywhere. So there's a lot of moving parts that have to connect for that to happen. And majority of my office, that's what they have plenty there to schedule. It's just they got to figure out how to do it properly so that it's done before the patient walks out the door. Right. And having team that is properly trained in the conversations is very, very important because many yes. times I'll hear, you know, everybody's easy excuses. Oh, they, they said they can't afford it. Yeah, yes. that's not, that's, that's the patient's easy excuse for you to leave them alone. Yeah. Right. But you need to dive yeah. a little bit deeper. Right. My, my favorite thing to say is like, okay, I understand like this is a big investment for you. However, if, if it were free, right. If there was no cost associated with this, do you see yourself moving forward with it? And when you say that to the patient, sometimes they sit there and they think like, sometimes they'll say no, like, no, I still wouldn't do it. Okay. Well then, you know, money was not the issue in the first yeah. place. Yeah. That's a good point. So you try to look at, at that and not let them off the hook. Like, yes, I get it. There are going to be people that be people that truly can't afford it, right. but then you as the office have to look at like, what are the options that you have available to help make this affordable for yeah. patients? Yeah. Very true. Because then it's like, if you're not making that connection, and I always say, like, when you say, okay, call me when you're ready, yeah. really, you're telling them you're off the hook. It's not important. Right. And those are the patients that slip through the cracks. And next yeah. thing you know, they're becoming like your inactive patients that have gone out the back door. So one rule of thumb that I like to follow is every single patient should leave your office with a scheduled appointment or a scheduled follow-up somewhere in your system that if somebody says like, I have to go check the finances with my husband or my spouse, I need to check my schedule. I need to figure out, you know, some things. That's great. Like, I understand I would have to do the same thing. If I don't hear from you by Tuesday, is it okay if I give you a call? Mm -hmm. So now they're not slipping through the cracks. They know you're on it and you got to put a, a note on your schedule or a follow-up in dental Intel or practice by numbers or whatever you're using and make sure you're following up with those people. Absolutely. And obviously, when you get the case attendance, you get on schedule, you have the new patient, you have to have the collect production and the collection, which are the two KPIs that play hand in hand with each other that are super. I always say, you know, I have clients that tell me, well, production is not important. No, production is really important. You know, collection, yes, collection was what pays the bills, but you have to have production first before you can get to collection. Right, right. I say production is a, a fictitious 
number, right? It's especially depending on the software. Some softwares will allow you to actually put in the uh, insurance allowable fee, right? So you're not doing all those write-offs and others put in your office fee and then you have to do the adjustments afterwards. So you have to look at that. If your office has a really, really tight uh, financial protocol and you're collecting payment at the time of service or even having them put down deposits or prepaying for treatment, your production and collection number should be fairly close. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What else? Lots of good KPIs. <laughs> <laughs> My other favorite one that I like to look at, and I know this one's a little bit, maybe a little controversial, uh, is the hygiene reappointment. Yes. That's a good one, especially because I you know I say the hy hygiene is the. I mean, we hear this all the time. Hygiene is the heartbeat of the practice. So if the heartbeat is not there, you can't grow the practice. The hygiene feeds production of the doctors. So that's actually that's actually one of my favorites too. Right, and I know there's like people talking about like you shouldn't pre-appoint patients or you should pre-appoint like whatever you choose to do in your office. But just remember, if you see a hundred and fifty hygiene patients in this month, if you don't pre-appoint them, you're chasing down 150 people in six months. Very true. So I, where do you want to do the work on the front end or the back end? It's much easier to get them to schedule. And nowadays everybody has automated reminders. So I always say like, you know what? I understand it's six months out. You have a lot going on. Let's get you scheduled you'll get a reminder from us at two to three weeks before the appointment. And if you find there's a conflict, just give us a call. Yeah. One of the things I even say is like, use the word, let me pencil you in. Because when you say pencil you in, it's not concrete. Because people are like, oh, don't schedule me because I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm like, when you use the word pencil me in, you know, pencil you in, then they're like, okay, it's not, it's not really like, you know, I'm not stuck with it. Right. And obviously, ideally, if your hygienist can make the appointments in the back, that's the best retention. While they're waiting for you to come in for an exam, have them because they will respect your hygienist more than your front desk and also will benefit your front desk from the traffic up front of trying to schedule. So if they can schedule in the back, the, the percentage of retention is a lot higher because they know how much time they need. They know if that patient should ideally be in the morning or the afternoon. Um, all of that plays a big role in you know, that retention of the hygiene appointment. Yes, very, very important. And if you are an office, you know, that doesn't pre-appoint the people, you should have a policy in place <clears throat> that like four to six weeks before. So I always say like in November, you should be calling all your patients that are due in December to try to get them in. You might even want to start that like mid-October so that you mm -hmm. can ensure that they're getting in to your schedule in the month that they're actually due and not pushing them out like to January because we have no spots. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the other ones that I, I, again, like I said before, like metrics depend on your office and whatever, but the percentage of your total office production that is being done by hygiene, I think that is a very important number to look at. Yes. I think it varies very much depending on the type of dentistry performed by the providers. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I think what you said it earlier, like if you can at least, if you have 156, you said, or 150 hygiene appointments and in this month, and then you want to schedule, I did get at least 80% of that scheduled for next year, the same time or six months, the same time. Um, that is a guarantee of that production pretty much. 
coming into your practice. So that 20, 23, 25% of hygiene that comes into your practice is ongoing and feeding you versus if you're not, don't have that balance between hygiene and, you know, restorative, you're really banking in hopes that a patient that ends up in the chair has a broken tooth or is in pain that's going to give you production. That's stressful because <laughs> you should be able to look out and say, okay, I have X amount of patients for the next six months scheduled. And that gives you, you know, comfort that, okay, my practice is either growing or is steady versus, oh my gosh, there's nothing in my schedule in three months. That's concerning. That's, that's where the stress comes. So really having that system in place to measure this, these key performance indicators will really set you for success as you're planning your goals for the years to come, months to come, depending on how you do your goal planning. Now, I think this is one of the areas too, uh, in terms of hygiene production compared to total office production, uh, where Malika mentioned earlier about the specialty. So for example, right, I know there are some prosthodontists out there that have hygiene departments, mm-hmm. right? If you look at the dollar amount of the procedures that a prosthodontist does, a hygienist is never going um, to be able to keep yeah. up to 30% Very of true. that production. Very true. So you have to, to, to compare. If you have a general dentist that's doing bread and butter dentistry, like your hygiene department should be doing 30% of the total office production. Right. The more high-end implant surgeries, like more and more offices, general offices are including ortho in there, then you have to kind of, you know, reevaluate what those percentages should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, even even you're like, I, you know, when I was with periodontists, I see this with perio, you know, yes, they do still have a hygienist, but as you said, periodontists are doing all these big surgeries. So their hygiene is never going to compare like percentage wise to your idea, what I call textbook GP practice. So let's shift a little bit to the the pediatric practice. Okay. Right. Because that practice there, there's not a lot of high high dollar no. treatments. Like if you're doing some, some general anesthesia or whatever, but it's mostly, you know, some simple restorative. So in that respect, Malika, like what is it? Is it a little bit closer, the doctor and the hygiene production? I mean, my, my Peter practice that I work with, when I look at their analytics, it's almost sometimes even neck to neck because hygiene is so heavy because it knows volume. Like I have an office that sees a hundred patients average a day. Can you imagine? And out of the hundred patients, I think 12 are restorative. So that right there tells you what it is. Yes. Production wise, the restorative pipe part could be a little heavier, obviously, but as you said, if they're like one of my offices does, you know, oral sedation, they do IV sedation. Yes, that helps bring that production higher, but it will never be like at a GP level because, right. you know, as you said, like it's a lot of volume and the ticket price for pedo hygiene is low. So right. then you can't really get close to that. So again, back to what I mentioned in the beginning, like the, the metrics that you're given whether you go to a practice management course or you use one of these analytic platforms, they're, they're benchmarks, but they need to be adjusted based on what is happening in your practice, the type of practice, your patient base, the the procedure mix in there. So you got to just take a look at there and don't compare yourself to somebody else because every practice is different. That's, I think you said that that's a key, key point there. Please don't compare every, I have yet to walk in an office to say, oh, they're just like the other one. Exactly. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different model. And, you know, some will have four chairs and do X amount of dollars and another one that will do double that number. It, they're both successful. It, it's just a, it's the model that works for them. 
and their percentage completely are different, but they're still, they're doing great. So it's right. really, your benchmarks will definitely be different from your, because I, I know, you know, you know, you guys like to talk to your colleagues, which is great, but sometimes we say, oh my God, I must be doing really bad because my benchmark is not lined up with their benchmark. Obviously, state by state, specialty by specialty, depending if you're fee for service versus insurance heavy, that affects your KPIs. You know, those are, it's like, you know, you can have two hygienists in a fee for service practice with two, with one doctor and your, your percentages are so much higher than a doctor that is heavy on PPO. They're both successful. It's just that your, your benchmarks are going to completely be different. Right. And so you just mentioned insurance. That would be like my next metric that okay. I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so what I like to see, right here we are in the digital age, right? If you're sending your claims electronically, and as you know, our good friend Teresa Duncan likes to say, you're sending a clean claim. <laughs> yes, <she laughs> clean <does say> <laughs> claim, which is important, which means you have all of the documentation, all of the correct information on the subscriber, the provider, like coding, right. everything that is a clean claim. You should be paid in under 20 days. Mm-hmm. In under 20 days. So when I look at how quickly it's taking for for clients to get paid. I look for it to be under 30 days, but really I'm wanting it to be in the teens. Because if you're sending out, especially if you're doing a lot of like simple restorative and hygiene visits, those are no brainers. Those should be back really fast. Yes, I do know that there are some carriers that do take a little bit longer, but those should be few and far between. So when we look at the aging, of your insurance report, I want to see less than 5% in your over in 60 and 90 days. Meaning the second a claim hits 30 days, you should be on the phone wondering where your money is. Very true. Because that's that's your money that's just being held back for, you know, from that, you you know, you say, look, where's the money? Well, let's look at your aging report. Let's see where it's going on. And as you said, like the way that your system is for collection and insurance, is a key part of that, the benchmarks that you're looking at in order for your practice to hit those goals and those numbers. Yeah, so doctors, if you're not looking at that one and you don't know how long it's taking, you know, I feel like doctors go into panic mode when the cash flow is low. And then they'll start looking at those reports and it's really important that you're consistently looking at it. Of course, you expect the bulk of it to be in that zero to 30 day category. That number should be high. The same thing right. with your AR, like that number should always be high unless you're fee for service and you collect in full at every visit. If you have insurance participation, that zero to 30 days, it should be a high number, which is great. But then the the 30 to 60, the 60 to, to 90, like the over 90, there should hardly be anything in that. Very true. Because it's also harder to collect. The longer it's out, the harder yeah. it is to collect. The harder to collect. So I know it seems like a lot, like, when do I have time to look at all of these metrics? Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I like these analytic platforms, because they can give you a snapshot really quick instead of having to individually go into the software and pull the different reports. So there's a lot of different options to do that. But at the very least, like, as the doctor, you could assign a team member and put together a spreadsheet or a little, you know, tracking thing so that you can look at these things on a weekly or monthly basis. Absolutely. And, and, you know, with technology these days, really, it's at a snapshot. You can see it right there. And as you say, you know, dental intel, practice by numbers, even some of the um, newer softwares even include it with them. Like Curve, I know, 
has it on like depends on what you're using and sometimes you guys are just not using it. you're not utilizing it utilize it because it's, it's at your fingertips and honestly it's a great feeling to look at it and compare year to year and i always say compare year to year fairly if you were shut down for two months um last year or this year and last year you were not and your numbers are showing lower it's because go back and reflect on what happened the same time last year you know i had an office had a panic because they're like our hygiene schedule is really empty and i had to remind them remember you were shut down last year this time for renovation so it's it it trickles back to what you got so think about those things so that you can also plan ahead to know that okay guys we were shut down six months ago on this this date or this week what do we need to do to make sure that we are productive the same time in six months because looking ahead and that's the that's what the metrics helps you do is plan ahead and look at those numbers right right and and I love looking at like historical data like pediatric practices for example right August is usually their best month mm -hmm. August is you and then September is terrible right? So why? Because everybody wants to get stuff done or like whether they need it for school clearance, whatever, they want to get it done before the kids go back to school. And then September is, is a little wonky because people don't want to pull the kids out of school right away. Right. So when you look at the schedule, you plan ahead. Like maybe you see a lot of babies in the month of September if you're a pediatric practice, like right. the kids that don't go to school and you save those August appointments for the kids that are going back to school. Like right. you can look at the trends of that and right. say, you know, okay, well, this is what happened. Or if you look back and say like, you know, this year we were averaging about 40 new patients a month, but for some reason in June, we got 70 new patients. What did we do different in like April or May that helped us get all those patients in June? Right. Very true. And so you can plan ahead with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's, it's about planning and you know what, just being, I say be, um, proactive and not reactive because when you're reactive, you really have to then backpedal and you stress your team out. And then it's like, you, it's great to be, have a pulse on this on a monthly basis. You know, I always say, test yourself and say, guys, ask me, you know, what's my number of new patients last month? You should know that, you know, you know, how did I do? How was, you know, what was my percentage of growth, October, November, December compared to the last year or this year? Cause those are the things that will keep you in tune with your team and also will motivate your team to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to do that. It's important to, to let the team know where you stand too. I know some doctors don't like to share everything with them, but right. sometimes if your team doesn't know what they're working towards, it's harder to get them to buy in to what you want them to do. Absolutely. I love metrics. I can geek out about this all day long. Like I get so excited when I when I start looking at reports or like I'll open one of the analytics platforms and I start looking at numbers and then I'm like, wow, look at like year over year, like how much you're growing or hey, it gives me a, a quick glimpse of like, all right, we really need to work on this because I'm starting to see a little bit of a dip. So we don't want to go too far down. So right. it makes me excited <laughs> when numbers we talk about numbers. Said. Truly says a story about the practice. So it's really important to really have a pulse on that. It does. It does. Well, I hope that, you know, you come away with a few good tips from this. And if you haven't been tracking some of these metrics that you start tracking them, uh, Malika and I are always available. If you have questions, our information is always in the show notes. Um, but thank you for another great episode. And yes. we'll talk to you soon. Take care.
Thanks for joining us on Accelerating Your Dental Practice. To connect with Malika and Michelle, visit czardentalconsulting.com and affinitymanagement.co and learn how they can help you accelerate your practice even further.